both Karen and I love Psalm 84. And um, when we were asked to um, talk on a psalm and we saw Psalm 84, we both independently chose it. It is a beautiful psalm and it's such an honor to talk on it this morning. I think many of you uh, would have probably sung part of the psalm. Uh, certainly when I was a young Christian, one guy put part of the song to, to uh, the psalm to, into a song and it was just oh, one of the, the, the memories of my young Christian life. So we'd like to uh, thank the elders and, uh, for their, um, letting us preach this morning and, and we were just reflecting on how wonderful they serve uh, this church and with such excellence. It's lovely. So thank you very much, guys. So this, this psalm that we are going to look at is the second in the series and um, our heart for this morning carries two themes, really, that, co- that come out of intimacy with God and they are discipline and revival. So those are the two themes we're going to carry on. It's, it's probably not a surprise to you to hear me want to talk about revival, um, but I'm, I do so unashamedly. God is, God is doing something in this area, and I'm not going to keep quiet. Karen. Good morning, and it's lovely to see you all. We have come from a busy household this morning as well, and we just set aside all our distractions, and we say we focus on you, Jesus. Welcome here. And thank you for the wonderful worship. And I just want to say thank you so much to the sound guys. Thank you, Jill, back there. You're so faithful. Um, what we say today is in faith in Almighty God, because we continue with our struggles, even though what we say today might sound we are really enthusiastic. We have um, Dennis's dad in hospital. My mum has an ongoing illness. And uh, we believe, as Steve Backland says, that there is no ceasefire in the battle for the mind. So we are constantly working on that. Um, and we continue to grow in and apply what we've learned at Teesside School of Supernatural Ministry, which we'll refer to as TSSM. Both of us have been really encouraged by our time there. And some of what we share this morning does come from there. Um, just a quick update. Our daughter Amy's having a wonderful time in India. Um, She's had a challenging and a sort of a warm time there as well. But she met a lady whose entire family became Christians and then raving evangelists after the dad was uh, healed after a snake bite. So that was awesome. And we want more of that, Lord. We want that New Testament Christianity. Yeah. And finally, uh, Gavin Haley, congratulations on your wedding anniversary this coming week. <laughs> Blessings on you and your amazing family. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do now is um, go through, just read through uh, Psalm 84 with you, and then we're going to pick out three bits, three verses, and we're going to comment on them. So it's pretty similar to what you would have heard. I think unashamedly we're going to be speaking to Christians this morning, but if you're not a Christian and want to become one, you can always come talk to us afterwards, right? Um, our message is aimed at drawing close to God. Okay, so let's start. Um, rather than me turn my back to you, I've actually printed this out. Let's have a look. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young and a place near her altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are 
those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of the car, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Wow. Isn't that lovely? I love it. So before um, we go on, um, we just have to look at, at the background to the psalm. And you've got to put... Uh, things in context before you comment on them. It's a bit like, um, and I'm not an expert at watercolors, but I understand if you do a watercolor, you first do the background, right? And you let that dry. So I'm going to do the background and hopefully let it dry before we paint on top of it. But the background is this. It started um, in the Garden of Eden where God was in close relationship with man. And the truth is, this relationship with mankind was something we were made for. And in the fall what mankind did was lose that connection with God. And mankind suffered with that. But at the cross, Jesus restored that relationship with God, right? So when mankind lost it at Eden, the only way God was present was in a, a dwelling place, which was a, a tent for a while, and then a building. Um, and that was called the temple, right? So the context of this psalm was, at the time when God dwelt in a dwelling place that was a tent probably. It was even before the temple. So how lovely is your dwelling place? It literally is a physical place. But today, with the restoration of that relationship uh, with having Jesus having died on the cross, we ourselves now become the temple. And so there's a change in status. And you know, one day the story becomes complete when in heaven we're back in a garden and that's called heaven. Heaven is described as a place with a river flowing through it and trees on either side of it. It's really beautiful. So the destiny of man, the point is in the background, is, for relation, is within relationship to God. We are made for that relationship. And um, so that's the context. The first um, slide we're going to look at here is, and the section we're going to look at is Verse 2, it says, My soul, um, I didn't print this out, but I'm going to have a look here. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So at a recent revival prayer meeting for the churches together on Teesside, there was a lady there who was a Christian recently, and she prayed out aloud for the first time in her life. I will never forget what she said. It really shocked me to the core. So this is what she said. Listen carefully. She'd be looking at me and staring at me, and I was kind of really discombobulated. I thought, oh, what's going on with her? And then, and then she just let her up, and she said, God, wake those Christians up! <laughs> and uh, it was quite a shock to me, and I just thought, wow, her first prayer as a baby Christian was wake the church up. Isn't that wonderful? I was, I was at TSSM for a very short time when things in me started to wake up 
in a way that was completely unexpected for me. And I started to experience a hunger for God that actually overwhelmed me almost physically. I can relate to this words, these words where it says, my heart and my flesh cried out for the living God. Um, I just became deeply discontent with my, with my walk with God and I just wanted more. And this started from a place of being in the presence of God. It was a bit, I was trying to think what it's like. It's, it's a bit like having calorie-free chocolate, you know, nothing bad about it. You can have as much as you like and you have the taste and you just want more. Or alternatively, it's a bit like putting your foot in the river and you just get swept along. It was, this current was just so amazing and I just, I just got pulled along. And the most obvious way I saw it was I started to um, read more and more of the Bible. So I'd been doing Bawe. Jonathan Knight had introduced me to Bawe. who probably started from Gavin, uh, who introduced Jonathan to it. I think that's the story goes, if I got that right. And I was doing Bawe, and it was just like a chug, a chug, a chug, a chug. And this was like somebody put petrol over that and just went, whoom. And uh, I started to I listen to the whole Bible myself. And then I went through that, and I thought, I'd do it again. And then it wasn't enough. And so I did the New Testament, and that still wasn't enough. And so I did the Gospels. I thought, oh, it's got to be good to go through the Gospels. And every time I did it, it was like my heart was singing. And I thought, wow, this is wonderful. And um, it got to the point where somebody who's 54 really struggled with this. I, I started to learn books, parts of the Bible off by heart. And I haven't done this for years. And it really refreshed me. It was just beautiful. And so my question to you this morning is, is not intellectual. It's not can you say, how sweet, look at the psalmist, his heart and his flesh cried out to the living God. See, this is, a, is an experiential thing that I'm talking to you. Where is your heart today? I've really got to stop there and ask you, because I'm, in a way I'm not talking to your head, I'm talking to your heart. Where is your heart today? Does your heart and your flesh cry out for the living God? Is it like an ache that you're saying, God, I want more of you? You see, discipline that we're going to talk about later really flows properly out of the place of this intimacy with God, of wanting more of God. Discipline that flows out of guilt or shame or fear becomes religion. And religion is like looking at a tree and touching the fruit and realizing they're plastic. It's fake, right? Religion produces bad fruit. I was looking at our tree in our garden. We've got a, an apple tree that I've loved for many years. It's produced prodigious amounts of fruit. But this year, the bugs came, and it's got fruit with loads of bug holes in it. But I don't care because the fruit is real. You said, I'd rather have real fruit with a hole in it than plastic fruit. Wouldn't you? And that's the, you see, the fruit of even imperfect coming to God and being hungry for God is real. It produces a change in you and you want more of God. You can't help yourself. And that was the journey that I went on in TSSM. I just felt in God that I should address this issue of people whose hunger for God has waned. I just, I just do so ever so gently. You see, where is your heart this morning? Has your hunger for God, is it burning like it did? See, hunger for God is not about history. You may have had more hunger in the past. It's about now. Where are you now? My heart and my flesh cry out. And my prayer for you this morning is that your heart and your flesh get stirred up. It's easy to stir yourself up. 
just spend time in the presence of God. The more you spend, the more you want. It's quite simple. It just grows and explodes out of control. So practically, being hungry for the presence of God, for more of God in your life, has an amazing impact on your priorities. You should, we've got a brand new Labrador puppy. You should see her priorities when I put a treat in my hand. I have her concentration. Her tail wags up and down like a furious, like a propeller almost. You know, it's going to, you know. She, I have her attention, right? You know, and so your, her priorities change and she listens. She becomes incredibly obedient. Sit, lie, stand, everything. It all happens instantly, right? Paul, she does that too, you know. We need to be like that with our priorities changing for this beautiful thing called the presence of God. So the second point I wanted to talk about was hungry for the supernatural. And I wanted to mention this because there's a profound change that happens when we become hungry for the supernatural. It actually humbles us, right? We get to the place where we know we cannot do the supernatural. Otherwise it would be natural, right? It becomes only God can do it. And we are humbled. And so you come, you come to this juncture, um, like a, a decision tree at work, I guess. You either go left or you're right. We, we, it's like a one of two outcome scenario. You either shrink back or you trust God and your faith grows. You see, that's, that's, that's what the supernatural does. It challenges you. And the supernatural life flows out of the presence of God. And just look at Jesus. He said this. He did, he did what he saw the Father doing. You need to do what you see God doing in the place of the presence of God, in the place of intimacy. And the beautiful thing about this, in those days they had to walk to the temple, right? Today, the temple is within us. It's easy. You don't have to you know, go a few times a year to, a, to some sort of festival and then experience the presence of God. You do it in your life. I'd just like to give you two examples of how the supernatural f- falls out of the presence of God. So at TSSM, there was this guy called Jacob. Jacob was a weightlifter, and um, he had this thing going where he'd pray for people who hurt themselves doing weights, because apparently you hurt yourself doing weights. And they started to get healed, a lot of them. And it started to go on Facebook. If you go to this gym at this time, this is the guy there, go ask him to pray for you, and you'll he- get healed. So. I was experiencing really painful knees, and not from doing the gym. <laughs> I wish at that stage I was, I was really overweight, and um, I was not from doing the gym. And like a good bloke, I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. And in fact, the opposite happened. It got really painful to the point where I, it started to affect my job. I couldn't really do parts of my job properly. So Jacob heard of this, and he came, and he prayed for my knees. And... Um, you know, he was full of faith. He believed God would heal my knees because he'd seen it before. It was very, very simple. He was, tr- he was an, you know, I call co-laboring with God. You come like Jacob and pray, God does the healing, right? Except that I didn't get healed. But this didn't stop Jacob, Jacob right? Jacob came and prayed. He said, Jesus prayed two times. I'm going to pray two times. So he prayed two times. And at this stage, I'm thinking, yeah, that's okay. Dennis, how are you feeling? No, it's still really, really sore. And uh, he said, well, we'll pray three times then. Now, after eight times, I want to tell you, I was feeling really awkward. (laughs) I was willing to admit defeat and walk away. But at the ninth time, he prayed for me. I was instantly healed. 
the pain in my knees, which was constant and severe, literally disappeared. I was more shocked than he was, right? So this is, this is he played his part. He co-worked with God. God says, I'm going to heal you. He just said, I'm going to pray until that happens. And he kept on praying. He kept on bringing other people to pray with him. All the time it changed, you know. It was really amazing. I have been healed two and a half years from knees. They haven't got worse. They've stayed the same. They're healed. Isn't that wonderful? I am so grateful to God for that, you know. Another example that really changed me at um, TSSM were two people, actually, Roland and Heidi, Heidi Baker. I went and listened to Heidi Baker talk at um, a conference. And the first thing she did is she went to the front and she got on her knees and she started crying out to God. And I was undone. 2,000 people with her got on their knees and just started crying out to God. And then I, I, you see, I didn't need a sermon after that. I realized how she'd gone to Mozambique and changed that country. She'd done it on her knees. And that's the thing with the supernatural, you see. It takes God to do things. If it's just natural, it's the same old stuff, it's the same old stuff. We just do it over and over again, and, and maybe we do it more enthusiastically. But when it's God, something changes. Her husband, when they were going to Mozambique, this, you know, her husband is, is God, I think, a PhD in Greek. I can't remember what it is. Somebody came up to him and said, Hey, Roland, so you're going to go raise the dead in Mozambique? Is that how you're going to do it? You know, because they were apostles to Mozambique. And he said, Yeah, jokingly. But that's what happened. See, their church plants were, were, were struggling and stalling until they started doing a kind of, hey, God, it's either you or nothing. And then they started to see people you know, raised from the dead. Some of their people together, two, a, a group of two who actually applied to get into a Bible college and refused, right? They, together, the two of them had raised eight people from the dead. Wow. So you don't need a PhD in Greek to raise people from the dead. What you need is faith. It doesn't help you, right? So I come back to this point that I've, I really wanted to belabor, and I said again, where are you today? It's about your, the reality of your ex existential experience today. Are you hungry for the living God? Are you hungry for stuff that you know you can't do that takes God? Some of you are just not crying out for yourselves alone, but you're also crying out for the people around you, your relatives, the people in the street, on side, and uh, you're crying out for revival. And I remember praying with a friend on side about 20 years ago and seeing a picture of the revival flames, and that somehow sustained me. More recently, I've had an exciting image of an aerial view over the whole of side, with the streets gradually filling with the glory of God. So Father God wants to encourage you prayer warriors. He wants to say, keep crying out. When the disciples were unable to cast out a demon from a boy, Jesus didn't say your faith is too small, although that's often said. He said their faith had been used too briefly. They hadn't done it for a long enough time. So let's keep persisting in prayer. Keep believing the promises of the past. Abraham's wife, Sarah, had many promises that Abraham must have spoken to her about, but she still laughed when they were reminded that uh, she was going to have a baby. It's not easy to believe you're going to have a baby at 90. I'm sure the recent mothers would agree. But with God, nothing is impossible. Great, so that's our first point. Let's move on.
Where there is one day in your country. You know all that song, right? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now I know what that is saying. That's saying um, it's better to spend time in God's presence than anywhere else. But the bit that struck me was this. Most people, not sorry, some people struggle to leave the doorkeeper syndrome behind. See, it's not humble to think you only have to stand at the entrance to God's presence. It's a lie. And we're going to do some declarations about who you are, just to expose that um, in the next slide. We just stand up and we're going to go through some things that the Bible actually says. Um, but this thing of feeling like you can't come into the presence of God, actually, uh, the best you can do is be a doorkeeper. Is just what this reminded me of. You are not a doorkeeper. You are a son or a daughter, a child of the living God. That's who you are. The, the hardest thing is to let go of this mentality that somehow you don't deserve it. Of course you don't, and of course you do. Nobody deserves Jesus to have died for him. You could never have earned that yourself. But Jesus would not have died for you if you didn't deserve it, if it wasn't worth it. And the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. You were what he was looking at, the joy of you, of being restored in relationship to God. That was the joy. You were worth it. And people who stand at the door and don't enter, rob themselves, they like to limit themselves to their experience of God. We, we find our identity in our Father God as we wait in His presence. I never really knew my father. My parents divorced when I was about four. And my dad was an alcoholic, so I never really got to know him very well. I started life in the strange situation of living in a lovely home, but my mother not having money to buy food and clothes for us. The next man who came to live with us had personality difficulties, which resulted in domestic abuse. So when my mother found a really wonderful man, brought him home, he was to become my stepfather, I had no patience. I was a sullen teenager, and I wasn't in any way prepared to engage with the idea of being fathered. Can I encourage you, do not let any earthly parenting put you off getting close to Father God. He has everything you need. It's taken many years for me to learn how to be fathered and simply loved by my Heavenly Father. And I love Psalm 84 because it speaks of that closeness of having a home in and with him. This psalm was written for or by the sons of Korah. We're not sure, but it's linked to the sons of Korah. Korah was an evil guy that you wouldn't want to have in your family line. He led a rebellion against Moses, leading to God sending fire and earthquakes and plagues and destroying thousands of his beloved people. But in all that destruction and damage, God did not destroy the sons of Korah. It says in Numbers 26:11, the sons of Korah did not die. They were saved just as we are saved by grace to do greater things. And the sons of Korah ended up being part of David's amazing Old Testament tent and celebration of worship and praise. Their identity was in God, their heavenly Father, not in their ancestor, Korah. 
And we too, as Christians, have our identity in Jesus. We may have the same eyes, ears, nose. Maybe you're already checking little ones for eyes, ears, and nose and who they look like. But um, we have been stamped with a new label, made by God and sons. The psalmist mentions sparrows and swallows, and anyone who knows me knows that I look at everything and, and hear from God. Um, <laughs> so, and especially birds. It doesn't matter how we feel about ourselves, whether we're flying high like a swallow or whether we're feeling invisible like a sparrow in a little bush. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. Our home is on Father God's lap. We not only have the beautiful home, and we have as well the attentive, ever-loving Father, and we have enough food and clothing forever. It all starts in his presence and believing all that he says to us and about us. And I have a hunger to live in the fullness of all the Father has for me, which is why, Dennis, and I went to TSSM. But I do recommend the Freedom in Christ course coming up in the church. That will be so amazing. We need to shake off the past and take hold of all that Father God has for us. Be bold and be hungry for healing. Declaration. So we're going to do some, something that actually gets done on the Freedom and Cross course as well as TSSM. It's called Declarations. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand if you don't mind. And then I'm going to read a sentence and I'm going to ask you to repeat it enthusiastically. <laughs> See if you can beat my enthusiasm. Okay. Number one, I am not who my past says I am. I am not who my past says I am. I am not who others say I am. I am not who others say I am. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. And God says I am his child. And God says I am his child. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. The old has gone. The old has gone. The new is here. The new is here. I have obtained an inheritance in Christ. I have obtained an inheritance in Christ. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. I approach the throne of grace with confidence. I approach the throne of grace with confidence. And receive mercy and grace to help me. And receive mercy and grace to help me. Amen. Thank you. Please sit down. This is the bit that I love. I just God is speaking to me about disciplines. And this verse talks about, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set their hearts on pilgrimage as they've go through, as they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So the bit is this pilgrimage is not needed any, anymore today. I said that the Holy Spirit lives in you, but there is still a journey that you have to take, and it's called discipline. That's why we are disciples of Jesus. You have to discipline yourself. And there's three areas I just felt that God has been speaking to me a lot about in terms of growing 
in discipline. And those areas are um, reading the Bible. And I just want to read you a quote on reading the Bible. Um, sorry, one slide. It says, this is from um, Bill Johnson. He says, it's not possible to overemphasize the value of the word of God in our lives. It is our life, our food, and our daily bread. The, the Bible is like a, a magnetic north. Whenever your heart wanders off and goes wrong, the word of God puts it straight. It breaks lies off you. Anyway, but north can be a lie. The devil is so creative with the lies that, that are told. But if you focus on the word of God, it keeps your heart right. The second is in the area of prayer. And you could talk for a whole t- sermon on prayer, but I just want to give you two quotes. Just like this lady who prayed for the first time, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. And that's Max Lucado. Corrie ten Boom, who's a Dutch person, very proud and love her, her, her books, she says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? It's what, you know, it's, it's, it's you either just do it at, when you have to, or you can actually involve prayer in how you live, and that's the way to live. So the other, the final thing I just wanted to mention, and then the discipline, the discipline in terms of coming into the presence of God in worship offers you a unique chance to do that, and there is something happening in Jubilee Church in the last month or so that I have not seen for years anywhere. It's beautiful. Jump into the presence of God. When people worship and get lost in worship, get lost in worship. That's what God wants for you. Okay, testimony. We go from strength to strength as we wait in Father God's glorious presence, but he has also given us each other. And just as pilgrims join with each other on their journey to far-off places, so we go from strength to strength as we join and laugh and weep with each other through life's ups and downs. And God's given us tools to use to build each other up, and two of these are prophecy and testimony. Um, now I know we left this out, but I really feel we should do it publicly. Is that okay. all right? Jonathan and Angela, can you stand up? Very briefly, this is an example of prophecy. We can do it privately, we can do it individually, but I just feel that these words are important. Mm. Um, uh, I saw a tree, like the beautiful trees around your house, and God says many seasons have gone by, spring, summer, autumn, winter, um, and they've strengthened you. And because of that new strength, many more will be able to come and rest in that tree that you are. Be encouraged and be bold. Do not withdraw. Um, I also got a word for, for Jonathan. Uh, we, we got this independently. Karen said, go away and get words for people, and then we'll share them. So I got a word for Jonathan, and I saw a picture of Jonathan carrying this impossibly large sword. It was like that high and heavy, and I thought, wow, what a sword. And Jonathan was like moving around like this, and it wasn't looking great. Um, it was too heavy, and it had this big red thing on it, and then suddenly Jonathan's dances became... Um, anointed in a way, I just, just suddenly I started seeing um, him take him like a, 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 a leap forward in what he was doing and, and I watched things being cut down 
that were, were just incredible. And I thought, wow, <coughs> Jonathan, a man with a sword, uh, a big one. And it's just, I feel there's an encouragement in you, Jonathan, that God has given you something really big, and it's great. It's great. So God's given you a big sword. So that is an example of encouraging prophecy. And um, Dennis and I are so excited. The church will be running a training month in October for the prophetic. That's right, Liz. Yeah. So do come. It's going to be incredibly encouraging. Really, really fun. Not at all scary. And, <laughs> and really wonderful. Uh, last week we heard Ellen's wonderful testimony of being rescued out of a really hard place. Where's Ellen? She's um, I'd like to share my testimony after a year of TSSM. I've struggled with ill health uh, since my son recovered from a serious illness about nine years ago, and the doctor suggested it looked like PTSD. I got to a place of thinking, that's it. I think I'm pretty much over with everything I will ever do in my life. Um, I had ear problems, pain, facial pain, mild panic attacks, fatigue, racing heart, etc., etc., And I just called it all um, post-viral stuff. I decided to do TSSM even though I didn't know if I would manage it anyway. After a year of Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the teachings at TSSM, uh, more prophetic words, encouragement, prayers, love, and watching people trust in God through really difficult situations, I feel completely different and God's done something amazing in me. I feel as though I've been pushed out of a really hard cocoon and found myself again but in a new form. No more ear problems or face pain, panic attacks or racing heart. My confidence returned and I praise Father God for healing me, giving me enough strength to get the puppy, although thank you guys for all your help. <laughs> I could not have done it on my own. Um, I have recommended the Freedom in Christ course and the prophetic course to you guys, but if you can get to the TSSM um, course as well, it's on Teesside. We're really privileged to have it close by. Do get you there, yourself there. It'll change you, move you on, and make you even more passionate for God's kingdom to come. In closing, thanks to my sons who are awesome, I've had the words of Lewis Capaldi's song going round in my head. <laughs> Psalm 84 is not Lewis Capaldi's song, but Psalm 84 is a love song to the Lord, longing for his presence and the presence of his people. I believe he sings back to us, hold me while you wait. Whatever you're waiting for, whether it's healing or revival, whether it's a new job or resolved conflict, whether it's comfort or clarity in a certain issue, Hold on to Jesus while you're waiting. You might not even be sure what you want or what you need, but he is singing over you. My love, my love, my love, my love. Thank you, Jesus. So we're done. But what we'd like to do... What we'd really like to do is just, I want to pray for one thing. I want to pray for the people who feel that um, their hunger for God has waned and they just want it restored. And then Karen's going to pray for one thing. And then there's the prayer ministry team. If you have an issue either with needing healing, sore knees, very good thing, <laughs> you can get healed, or 
any, anything related to anxiety, it would be really good. Uh, or any illness, in fact, I don't care. We, God doesn't care what illnesses are. We'd love to pray for you in the prayer ministry team. But just us too, we just wanted to pray for some things that we felt God laid in our hearts. Is that okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare over those whose hunger for you is not as strong as it has been in the past, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you'd set their hearts straight. And this morning I speak to hearts, not minds, but hearts. And I just pray for those who caught in anger that you would free them now. For those caught in frustration that you would free them from that, Lord. For those caught in disappointment whose attitudes are being dictated by disappointing things that didn't work out for them the way they thought, Lord. We just speak freedom to them in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each and every person today to decide in their hearts, Lord, to pursue you again and afresh. Thank you, Lord. I just thank you for those that specifically already know you, Lord. There's no shame to want more of you. It is just normal Christian love. And so I just speak that blessing in the name of Jesus over people. More of the God who loves. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Can I be so bold as to ask anyone who has a real heart to pray for revival on Teesside to stand and raise your hands just as Moses stood and prayed while Joshua battled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just hold up your hands. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray fire into the wings of these prayer warriors. I pray that you'd restore the first passion they had, Lord. I pray that you'd give them visions and dreams. Wake them in the night, Lord. Call them to pray on the streets. Call them to pray on the, at the school gates. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for a new, infill, a new infilling of power. And I pray for a new vision for each and every one of them. Lord, send, send helpers around to hold up their arms. I praise you, Father, that as we pray in twos and threes, we will see revival, Lord. We will see revival on our streets. We will see revival in Middlesbrough, Stockton, Teesside. We will see revival in the UK, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are the powerful one. You are the King of Kings, and we give you the glory this morning. Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen.